This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome back to Risk Check Podcast, episode 48. 48. Woo. Getting up there, guys. <laughs> yes. We got a special guest with us today, but before we get into that, allow us to reintroduce ourselves. My name is Perry. I'm Ben. And I'm Rashawn. And we make up the Risk Check Podcast. Tonight, we have a, a dear friend of the podcast, Ryan Chong. Welcome. Hey. How's it going? Me. It's great. Thank Happy you for coming all the way from the West Coast. To join us down the East Coast. Yes. Uh, Ryan is someone who actually, so we originally met, I think we met in Miami. We did. Uh, you know, sometime last me. year. <laughs> 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 so I was I was in Miami uh, with Denise. I think we were just taking it. This was like last April. Just a quick little vacation. And uh, Dime Peace was out there and she was attending an event uh, of Bezel. I think it was kind of like a launch event. This was a very early event that we had. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I ran into into Ryan, and she introduced me to the whole Basel team, and um, and here we are. So thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about you, and and we'll get into Basel because I'm sure our audience wants to know they've been seeing uh, us talk a lot of Basel lately, and um, I think they know what it is, but it, it's going to be interesting to get it from uh, from one of the people who's involved. So this should be fun. Yes. Before we get into that, we have to have our honorary risk check. Yes. And as is the case, we will start with the man who never repeats a watch, <coughs> <laughs> who also happens to have a birthday today. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you what know, do you got on? Working it has to be a special watch. It's your birthday. Yeah, it's a birthday watch. Say. A, an extra <laughs> very special watch. Yes. Very, very special watch. Um, I ain't wearing a new watch. Um you know, I had to I had to reclaim my title because everybody thought I lost the thunder. Oh, he lost it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, Sean's repeating a couple watches. You know what? And I don't think he got 50 watches. <laughs> I got some watches for you, all so right? So you got 51 now because you said it's a new watch. This is a new watch. Um, Hold <laughs> <laughs> on. I'm sorry. I came out of the slow-mo. Flag on the play. Hold on. So It's a modern watch. Modern watch. Um, is it a I, Rolex? No, no, no. <laughs> This is Jeje Lacoute. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> um, JLC Polaris. Um, the blue dial on this piece is absolutely stunning. Um, I love the proportions of the timepiece, the case size, the two, um, the two um, crowns, one for the time and bezel, the other obviously to operate the timepiece. Um, the blue against my outfit today wearing black, <laughs> always a method to my madness. Like I absolutely had to do this one. Um, as it slightly like comes out from the, you know, from the sleeve, just has that stunning pop. 
It's like, what are you wearing? The bracelet is very comfortable. Um, you know. Seeing you wear a watch with a bracelet looks weird. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because I don't, don't wear bracelet do. watches. I don't wear bracelet I watches. I like it. But this this one this one did it for me. It's nice, man. Yeah. You what, know how I feel about bracelets. What drew your attention to that? Oh. <laughs> I can I can hear the smirk on your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just the blue. The blue pops. Um, you know, our connection with like JLC and how we, you know, make make fun with the brand. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like our uh our tag signature. So I was like, you know what? What I can't I can't Talk about JLC and not own one. So, I love that your your first JLC is not a reverser. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also the road that's less traveled. Yeah, know? definitely. Yeah, yeah. The Polaris. Yeah, the Polaris. Polaris, Polaris every, you know, everyone thinks of like the reverser and like the Master Ultra thing, or you know, at least your third option might be like the Master Control. Mm-hmm. Um, but going with the Polaris, kind of like adding some swag to it, letting people know this is cool too. It's a great watch. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it has to be the second most important historical model behind the Reverso from JLC. So yeah, yeah. it's pretty great. 100%. Tight. Uh, ben, what do you got for us tonight? Uh, I am not wearing a new watch, nor <laughs> is it a JLC. Uh, I'm wearing my OP. I haven't Respect. had it for some time because John John took it from me. Oh, yeah. So yeah. John, John John was double wrist right. and green OPs for the past OP. month. Nice. Because I took his, his, uh, his ellipse. How long has it been since you've had that thing, man? How long is it since I got it? August eleventh, I think. So six was when months, I bought yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. So also, I wasn't gonna wear it tonight, but then I wrote some stuff for our friends at Analog Shift for okay. Paolo and Katrina. Nice. And I mentioned this watch being like the only modern Rolex that I own. Yeah. So I was like, I got a little emotional, so I put it on. Aww. Also to channel Rashawn, it kind of bangs with my outfit right there now. There we go. So yes, sir. <laughs> I need to Respect. Um. I'm wearing uh, not a new watch, but a watch I've never worn on the show. I just realized, which made me made me wear it. So I, and I was you, on. You vac- put it back on the bracelet. I did. I did. So interestingly enough, so I, I I I just came back from vacation with the family. I was debating what watch to take with me. I decided to take this. This is the Seiko Kosuke Kawamura, uh, limited edition of three thousand pieces. I think this thing sold out in like four or five days. Yeah, it was easy. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, but when I got it. Uh, and it's funny because, Ryan, you've been watching. You know that, you know, initially we, we are the guys who were giving Rolex a lot of flack. Yep. And um, after getting more acquainted with Rolex, I should say, I, I grew to really love the Oyster bracelet. So when I bought this watch, I took it off the bracelet immediately. because I was Well, like, the, I, when, we, when we both got it, <laughs> and the first thing we said was this bracelet is gone immediately. Yeah. When I, so we got we got we got them from Karen and Co. So shout we out did. to shout out to, Derek shout out to Derek. Shout out to Derek. And I picked up mine in person. I think you guys were shipped, right? Yeah, he shipped it to the house. I picked up mine in person and I made him swap the bracelet <laughs> yeah. while I was there and I wore it out on the street. And it, that's kind of unfair to Seiko because it's actually not a bad bracelet. Mm-hmm. But what I got so used, and this sounds I sounds totally snobber, so I won't apologize to our listeners. <laughs> but the, the Rolex did it right. The oyster bracelet is fantastic. Yes. You know, and when I when I got this and I and I was playing with the bracelet, I was like, uh, something about it. I wasn't feeling it. So I put on a strap and um that was fun. And I was like, okay, I'm going to we're going to Puerto Rico for a few days. Uh let me put this thing back on a bracelet. And you know what? I gotta admit, it's not bad. I love it. I had a lot of fun. 
Um, I mean, it's only 10 bar water resistancy, but whatever. There's just enough to go swimming. And yeah. You weren't I scuba diving. I wasn't scuba diving, no. Uh, but did some laps in the ocean yes. and uh, took it to the pool. And um, this is the longest I've, I've been wearing it for over a week straight now. So, yeah. And um, I'm, I'm having a ton of fun with it. So that's what I got on tonight. Um, Ryan, what have you brought with us tonight? I'm wearing uh, my 14060 Submariner. Okay. It's an S serial, so from 1993. And similar to what you were saying, this is the watch that I wear nearly every day. Yeah. And so I was uh, speaking with my colleagues in the office and they were like, oh, you got to wear something cool for the wrist check pod. And I was like, I guess I I should, but (laughs) this is really, like that would be out of character for me. Sure. Um, This is just the watch that I wear every day. And like you were saying, Perry, Rolex has engineered everything to perfection. Mm -hmm. And so that's the reason I wear it every day. I'm totally happy wearing it every day. Um, I'm a stickler for cases. And I think that is something that was passed down to me from people I've worked with and and been involved with in the industry. And so this one, I looked for a long time for a nice unpolished example and Mm -hmm. um, have had this for over a year now and it hasn't come off my wrist. That's Mm. awesome. We we often uh, talk about our love and affection for vintage Rolex. Yeah. yeah. And and it it's just interesting you mentioned the case because especially for myself, it always boils down to the case. Vintage Rolex cases are magnificent. Oh, they're yeah. amazing. The proportions are perfect. They're yeah. absolutely perfect. And it really makes you fall in love with just like the shape of the oyster case. Like you get to it's, when you get to compare it to older models and you compare it to modern models, that space between like for me at least, like the nineteen seventies to like the 90s, it's like oh yeah, perfect. 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 It's a beautiful so, example. And this is a, a vintage 90s piece, right? Yeah, yeah, 90s. Awesome. Yeah, so this is my baby and one of my favorite watches. And so you you bought this secondhand, obviously, right? This wasn't. Yeah, um, I bought this from a friend who's a dealer in Miami. And, okay. Um, yeah, I guess that's a perk of being in the industry is you have yeah. a lot you of connections friends. and yeah. especially with vintage. I I don't really own any modern watches, so. Um, with vintage, you know, the, the saying that everyone says is by the, by the seller. Yep. And so Thanks. luckily working with them and knowing them and, um, being familiar, I've always felt safe buying vintage watches. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. So as it turns out, we've got a, a lot of friends in common. Um, yes, and we do. you've been in the, <laughs> you've been in the, you know, it's funny because it's like, we would talk to people even after we met and your name would pop up. And, uh, you know, so we have some friends at Sotheby's. Shout out to Rich Lopez and, and Janet. Man. I love Rich. Rich and Janet. Yeah, <laughs> who know you well yes. and, and, and speak highly of you. Um, so I want to I want to get into that's, you know, how you got there. But first, I kind of want to talk about, you know, what started this passion for timepieces? Sure. With you. Um, so it never was uh, directly with watches okay. where my love for them originated which is a weird way of saying that I kind of backed my way into watches. Mm. So um, in high school, I took an AP art history class mm. and that really set off my love for learning about history through objects. Okay. And from there um, in college, I majored in art history and also economics because uh, I was always told I couldn't get a, a real job if I just majored in art history. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I got to do economics too. And that led me to want to work at an auction house. Okay. But my area of interest were Renaissance paintings. Sure. Mm. So nothing to do with watches. They weren't even on my radar. Mm. I liked the way they look and I understood them aesthetically, but nothing from a mechanical perspective or value and anything like that. So I get to Christie's 
in San Francisco as an intern. And to get to Christie's New York, which is the head of the US, um, after about six months there, they tell me, hey, there's a position in the watch department. Would you be interested? And like I said, to this point, I had never had watches cross my mind as a career or as an object that I wanted to really get to know. What time is, is this? Just so this is 2015. It. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So long story short, I take it, moved to New York, and in the New York watch department at that time were John Reardon, Eric Wind, Brandon Fa- Frazen, Rebecca Ross, all these great specialists. People are like legends. legends, heavy, yeah. legends <laughs> heavy. You dropping these names like it's not like these yeah. are legends in the game. Totally. Yeah. And so I was extremely blessed to walk into that situation. And of course, these these names meant nothing to me at the time. I didn't know anything about watches. Um, but the benefit of working in an auction house is you see literally thousands of watches a year. Yeah. And I started the lowest rung um, as a department coordinator, basically sending out contracts to people to sign that were selling their watches, um, showing people the watches when they'd come in, just you know the very most basic thing that you could do in the department. Mm. And that really kind of just turned into me having a drive and initiative and a love for objects. And slowly but surely I fell in love with watches. Um, these mentors helped me get to a position where I could become a specialist. And then I spent five years at Christie's in the watch department and eventually was a specialist. And um, during that time, we launched online sales in the industry for, yeah. for auctions, which mm-hmm. were great. Um, and that really obviously is still very present today. Yes. And um, what really always was the most interesting to me, though, were private sales. Okay. So. Private sales are direct sales that you can do at an auction house. Mm-hmm. So unlike waiting for a catalog to come out or an online auction, um, clients can come to us and say, hey, what do you have in stock privately? And you can do a deal just like any dealer would on the street. Sure. Um, so that was what was most exciting for me. And in 2020, uh, right after COVID hit, mm. Sotheby's reached out to me and said, we'd like you to come and run our private sales division in New York. That's awesome. And so for me, that was a step in the direction of what I really like doing, which mm-hmm. was private sales. And so I went there, had to take six months off between Christie's and Sotheby's and ended up joining in November. And I should have said that um, Rich Lopez was there for the end of my time at Christie's. Mm-hmm. And then he was at Sotheby's when start. I joined. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So Rich and I have always uh, been very close and worked together at both houses and um, he's a dear friend, but shout out to Rich. He was yeah, shout, shout out, out to Rich. Rich. He was very instrumental in getting me to Sotheby's, and um, can't thank him enough because that was really, I think, the starting point of how I ended up where I am now. Sure, Power very influential man behind the scenes. Yes. Yeah, I think the biggest what was stuck with me in your in your story is uh, Renaissance. Yeah, um, the essence, the beginning, the uh, the champion, the pioneer, um, the trendsetter and everything else, um, you having an art background and understanding um, things that are tasteful and then correlating it to virtually anything, um, very similar to what we do here. Um, we, it's, it's almost like we can make anything our muse. We've come from fashion to um, other lifestyles and watches, et cetera, and anything like this. And we've kind of created this canvas and it's become this beautiful painting or this beautiful work of art. And um, I think for someone like Mande, like yourself, it's very easy to make that transition. 
So when you when you talk about Renaissance, um, it, it it really resonates with myself, and I'm pretty sure you know the guys that are sitting on this couch as well. Sure, I'm curious too. Um, you know, making a jump like that, you know, to kind of piggyback on what Rashawn is saying, that's a big leap to go from to art to watches. I mean, totally. there's definitely some similarities in terms of your appreciation for aesthetics. Um, which are there, and I'm sure that's where a lot of the interest came. But I imagine you switching from art to this, you saw it as like, oh, this is a really great opportunity. This is interesting, but it's a job. Yeah. What I'm curious, what happened? And it really, I, I, you know, the the romantic in me it wants to get to the point. Like, what what watch was it that made you realize mm. this is not a job? Mm-hmm. Now this is a passion. What that's was the really piece that came question. across your lap where you were like, I get it? Yeah. So I should have said when I when I moved to New York mm. and joined the watch department, the goal was always to transition out of the watch department into the old masters, which is what the department within the auction house is right. called that deals with Renaissance paintings. Mm-hmm. And that was super hard to materialize because that's just a very institutionalized department where it's people who have worked in that segment for, for a long, long time. Know yes. Watches, yes. on the other hand, and as you guys know, we're much more open to newcomers to the space, yes. open-minded. It's people with very varied backgrounds. And so um, that was kind of a motivator for me to stick it out. Mm. And to your question, Perry, the watch that always remains in my mind and is one of my favorite references to this day is a Patek Philippe Perpetual Calendar reference 1526. Yeah, there we go. So. <laughs> so, yeah, ben, listen, Ben is like grinning. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a pattern. So, it's always a protect. Looking at these objects through the lens of historical importance was how art got me really excited. Mm. And then when I figured out watches were the same thing, mm. that's what really kicked off the passion. Um, and it's why I, I love vintage watches most um, and always will, I think. But yeah, that's definitely the watch. And for me, speaking about the romanticism of it it's always calendars so annual calendars perpetual calendars um these timekeeping mechanisms that are part of our life every day and mm-hmm. are tracking that that's yes. what's really interesting to me mm. that's awesome how did working with some of these people you know you, you mentioned eric Wynn, john reardon um you know people are clamoring now to be able to get in the room with some of these guys yeah what was it like working alongside of them and, and sort of, I imagine, you know, maybe initially, again, kind of just work. And then maybe today you look back on it as more of like an apprenticeship. Totally. I think, I mean, you have to keep in mind, too, this is my first job out of college. So sure. I'm just like trying to figure out <laughs> what do I do every day at work, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> but mm. I think a good rule of thumb for anyone entering that position is you just have to keep an open mind and be a sponge. Um, And I think I did that, but I didn't know at the time that I'd apply what I was learning to a career in watches. Wow. But that's really benefited me. Um, And like I said, it was extremely blessed to be in that position and took advantage of the opportunities that presented themselves. But um, working with those guys, I mean, John had been in auction since 1998 Mm. uh, and with a brief stint at Paddock, but you know, he has seen every situation that you could possibly see yes. in the world yes. of auction. And so just knowing how to handle issues that arise, knowing how to speak to clients, yeah. um, knowing how to present a watch that has issues, but you're still trying to sell it at the end of the day. Um, it's all, you know, 
it's just being a professional. Yeah. And so I definitely learned that from him, from Eric, Eric with his insane amount of knowledge. Just, I mean, it's crazy the yeah. way he can spin off. He's references. an encyclopedia. So he really is. Yeah. I mean, having, having that ability to pick up the phone and call someone or even see someone in person and ask him a question is, you know, people, like you said, mm. clamor to be in rooms with those guys now. Yeah. yeah. Do they get excited to see when you have one of conversations today, like sort of what, where your path has led you and what you're doing now? Yeah, I think so. Because at that time too, this is, you know, early on before I think watches really had the Instagram effect of, right. They're just everywhere now and everyone is aware of values and what's popular. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, there's only so many paths within watches. Yeah. And so now the industry is so much broader mm-hmm. and, what I am doing now is totally different than what existed back then. So yeah. I think they are excited and um, I still keep in close touch with them. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so now fast forward, you're, you're at Sotheby's and um, there are these guys that have this idea to launch this company. Somehow they get in contact with you. Um, Do they have the name at that point? Yes, we. They did have the name. So you and hear I, the name. I heard the name. They give you the. the what was the pitch? What, how do you so? How do you steal Ryan Chong from from Sotheby's? Yeah. So, mm. uh, I have to say first that there's one common thread in my life that has opened up a lot of doors, and we were talking about this before we started filming. Mm-hmm. But it's been basketball. Yes. So okay. I'm a lifelong basketball player. Um, oh, you play? I do. Nice. Yeah. I played in college for a couple of years. What position did you play? Shooting guard. Respect. Yeah. So um, that's all to say. I knew Chase, who's one of the co-founders from playing basketball. Okay. Had no idea what he did professionally. He had no idea what I did professionally. Wow. Um, and I think this was 2021, but I was on a little interview with Wax Insurance, mm-hmm. um, who specialize in collectibles. And they, at that time, Chase and Quay, two of the co-founders, were speaking to uh, one of the main investors, Wax. And he said, oh, you should talk to Ryan. And they saw my interview mm. and Chase reached out and said, had no idea you were in this space. We're thinking yeah. about starting a business called Bezel. This is exactly what it does. And at that point, the market was absolutely ripping because this is 2021. Was you, the know, of it. you can yeah. sell a modern watch without doing anything. Thanks. Um, and like I mentioned, vintage watches were really what I was passionate about. So mm-hmm. this this was becoming... I wasn't not less interesting, but I was less stimulated every day by what I was doing. Sure. And so what I noticed is in the space, there existed big marketplaces, but none with a really thorough authentication or a simpler way to put it would be none were able to give you an authorized dealer experience buying secondhand. Yes. That's so true. Because I remember when I initially started uh, really experimenting with buying vintage watches online because I bought a couple online. It's it's frightening. Totally. Um, even modern watches. It, even modern watches. You know, I'm it's not going to make... safer to go for a modern watch online though. Yeah. It, no, definitely yeah. is. But it's still, you know, for someone who loves vintage, especially at, at, at this time, you know, during the height of COVID, there's still, you know, a little hesitation about going off and meeting strangers because we're still dealing with this thing that we've never gone through before. At least that was what was going on in my mind. So the idea of now shopping online, I'm just completely like, I'm all in. Yeah. Right. But, and I won't mention this website's name, but there was a website that I used and 
you know, you could buy the watch. It would show up at your house. You had, you know, a, a couple of days to show it to someone. But I remember thinking about this and I was like, you know, I'm glad that like I actually had this watch like take to someone and, mm -hmm. and show them. Mm -hmm. But this is frightening really for both sides. Totally. Because here I have this. What if I take it to someone and they don't really know what they're looking at? Yeah. But even if I'm the seller, dude, you have my watch for several days. If you don't want it, you send it back to me. I don't know what the condition is going to look like yeah. when you, you send it you in. You know, it's a frightening process. Do a lot. Yeah. I think you had a really good experience and you might have shared it on the show. I know you at least shared it with us. You have purchased a particular timepiece and you kind of... Um, you you championed this guy. He was like, yo, this is the guy. Well, back to, yeah, to, well, to his comment, you know, you buy the seller. Yes, so sure. I was fortunate that like yes. this person came recommended, but I still didn't know this guy. Yes, yes. but you he know? but he made you very comfortable in buying a timepiece online. And I remember you raving about it. Sure. Because I still was like, well, who is this guy? He was he was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He might he was, in, he was in he was in Miami too, wasn't he? He was in Florida. No, this gentleman might have been in Colorado. Was he Colorado? Okay. I think he might have been in Colorado. Okay. Um but you know, nonetheless, just even like like thinking about the process, yeah. I was like, I don't I, this is not something that I would repeat over and over and over again. Yes. And you had bought watches at that point, right? I had. So that's that's the big thing for me is that there's this whole segment of first time buyers who maybe don't have a guy that they can take it to yep. in those few days. And so um, that was where I really saw there to be an opportunity to insert a marketplace that mm -hmm. would fulfill those needs. And so um, that was what got me really excited about the business, the business proposal of Bezel and mm -hmm. ultimately made me join. Oh, that's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Did Bezel have a, a plan for more vintage, more of that niche market at the time, or did you kind of go into it like, I'm going to make that my thing? So we don't. So currently with Bezel, we're mostly focused on modern watches mm -hmm. um, just because the economics of the business and what is most efficient for us to authenticate at the level that we do. And I can tell you guys about that, too is modern watches mm -hmm. like you said ben they're so much easier to authenticate and you feel safer buying online but what can be an issue is you buy online you don't know the seller or you don't know about watches mm -hmm. you get something let's say a modern omega seamaster uh, it only comes with maybe the pictograms card and not the international warranty card right. yes how do you know that if you don't know about watches yeah yes. and so even aside from authenticating, just checking and making sure that what you're getting is what it's purported to be, mm. uh, that it's working correctly, all of that. So that's what we solve as Bezel. We would love to get into vintage watches at some point in the future. It's just that, of course, the authentication of them are, is yeah, so much so more much rigorous. Yes. Yeah. So yes. let me ask you in this process, because you said you mentioned something that was interesting um, in terms of how you, you guys go about in, with the authentication process. But um, I imagine that you guys are also working with the sellers to land on a price. Yeah. Based so, on what's available. So the nice part about our process is we have total control of what gets put on the platform. Yeah. Um, so we work with professional sellers, individual sellers, and it's all up to them to set the price to describe the watch and how they view it in terms of condition. But ultimately, we see that before it goes live. Sure. So... If a watch looks very scratched up and they right. say it's perfect, of course, we're going to intervene and say, 
it should be graded as such yes. and it should describe the scratches as too, right? yes. and so, price as such too. So yes. even in the case where it's like, you know, we're talking about like perhaps an Omega Seamaster uh, is not sold, is not available full kit. Yep. You guys are going in and working with the seller and saying sort of like, hey, we think it should be more aligned with this price. Totally. Right. Okay. So that's we're, awesome. yeah, we have that data of what things are selling for in the current market, mm -hmm. um, most recent sales, and then based on comps where they should price it if they want. So that's to really cool too, because I'm thinking that if like if I'm a first time buyer and I'm just interested in watches, I don't really know a whole lot about the process. You guys are even without speaking to me, just me being interested in using your website, you advocating for me. Totally. Yes. So that's, I think, probably one of our biggest value adds outside of authentication is that it's literally a team of people that just love watches. Yes. And so we're at the ready to speak to you, to speak to buyers, sellers, um, to figure out how you should price something, how you should list it. Uh, if you're on the buying side, is it a smart buy? Is it a good price? Is the condition good? All of those answers uh, that a first time buyer doesn't have. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think the biggest thing too is with the amount of volume that you guys get as far as just like buying, selling, et cetera, adding a bit of like a personal level to it, to where you can actually consult. Um, I think that's something that um, is missing in like the resale market. Um, of course, like, you know, there are um, resellers that just like post a product and it's like, you get what you get. Yep. Um, to be able to speak to someone directly, someone is very passionate, someone that has an extensive background that you have, you know, it separates uh, Bezel from the rest. Yeah. Which I think, you know, we champion and uh, take pride in as um, one of our partners as well. Yeah, yeah, I have a friend who sold two watches through you guys and he said it was the most seamless things ever done. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's cool too, and what many people haven't gotten to see, so you know, we um, we run into each other all the time, different programs. There's a shout out to our friend Jason Gong. You guys have done some events with, but I think what's really interesting about the knowledge that that you bring to Bezel, and I'm sure other people of you know with your skill set that that work for the company too, is that you not only like when I think about authenticating a watch. I think most people think about what I'm looking for to check those boxes. Yes. But I remember a talk that you gave at a Complecto event, what made me realize that you guys are also educating yourselves on what to look for in terms of fakes and counterfeits. Totally. So um, it's a huge issue, mostly with, so taking a step back, I guess, there's outright fakes and counterfeits. Yeah. And I would say that's a bigger issue with modern watches. Um, not to say it doesn't have with vintage watches, but then there's also the question of period correctness of mm. parts, which is a little more advanced, a little more nuanced. But I like to think of our authentication specialists as more historians of the watches mm. and custodians of, of how the brand's history has evolved and being able to look at a watch and say, okay, everything is correct because this is from the mid 2000s on a Rolex and that's how it was supposed to be when it left the factory. And if it's not, it should be described as such. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of it, we have a bunch of watchmakers that are the technical experts. Okay. I, I have no background in watchmaking. I can take a bracelet off. I can take out links, <laughs> but that's about it. That's more than yes. most people. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. But these watchmakers are highly skilled, highly trained, and 
able to not just authenticate the mechanics of a watch, mm. um, the movement, but also test for timing accuracy, pressure testing, making sure it's water resistant. And especially mm. when you're buying a, a modern watch, if you want something that's going to be depth rated to a certain depth, it should work to that depth. You yes. shouldn't get something that right. has no gasket and then it's going to get water damage. So yes. these yes. are all things that we do. And I think really set us apart and it should be industry standard. And it's just kind of crazy that it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but that's really the goal of bezel. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking about sort of, um, cause you mentioned, you know, these things should be industry, industry standard. Um, in the event, hypothetically, that a watch is authenticated and let's say something does go wrong, could be anything. Um, how are you guys protecting the, the end user? Yeah. So we actually just rolled out um, a product within our platform that's super cool and it's a bezel warranty. Okay. Um, but even educating buyers on if you're going to be super active with a watch, I would want to know what kind of warranty it comes right. with. Is it under factory warranty? Um, a lot of people don't understand that those warranties are transferable on the secondary market. Yes. So we answer questions like that all day and every day. Um, and what we want to do is be a secondary market seller that has a brand. Yeah. Cause that's every other marketplace or secondary market seller that you can really think of mm. is devoid of that. Yeah. And part of our brand is being there every step of the way when the person is buying the watch or considering buying a watch to post sale. Um, and if anything comes up, we're always going to be there to figure it out. Awesome. Yeah. What's the craziest thing you guys have seen since, uh, since I know you guys are checking a lot of watches. I'm sure. Yeah. I, and you know, listen, everyone hits the water cooler from time to time. What, what, <laughs> what are these guys talking about? What? Yeah. Um, I guess this is the craziest thing that we've seen because it was just, kind of a crazy story, but one of the checks that we do for every watch is making sure it's not stolen. So there's a, okay. a database yeah. where you can submit a serial number and and other sellers do this too. But, I've heard about um, this. Yeah, it's, it's very important to do because the worst thing would be to buy a watch, take it in for service, find out you don't have the rights to it because mm-hmm. it was stolen. Wow. Um, so anyway, we get this Paddock 5140 perpetual calendar and beautiful watch. Uh, no box, no papers. And that, in my experience, always raises a red flag yeah, because sure. it's a modern watch. It should probably have box yeah. and papers. People understand the value that that adds to it. Mm. Next day, we come back into the office and there's an email. This was stolen in 2019. Wow. Wow. And, and this is in what year? This is 2022? This was last year, yeah. Like wow. last October. Wow. Um, so it's been stolen for two years. Exactly. Wow. Passed through multiple hands. So... The, the reason I said it was crazy is because we get sent a news story. In London was where the watch was originally being sold in an AD. Bunch of guys in motorcycle helmets and with samurai swords robbed this AD. <laughs> with samurai swords. Yeah. Ooh, motorcycle so, helmets. It's a Yakuza. Samurai yeah. swords. <laughs> sound like Kill Bill. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a, okay. <laughs> it's insane. Um and I'm sure you guys see this on Instagram too, but it yeah. feels like all yeah. the robbery things I see are in London. And there's always yeah. a motorcycle. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. So it's it's not necessarily directly involved with the authenticity of a watch, but it's certainly something that you would hope someone's checking for when they're sure. shopping for it. Yes. yes. Um, 
So that would be kind of the crazy story. So the AD itself got robbed, not a person. Correct. Okay. okay. Yeah. That would make sense. I feel like no one's trying to steal a perpetual off somebody's wrist. Exactly. They care less about that. So, but what what happens uh, in a situation like that? So we are supposed to hold the watch until the claim is resolved. Okay. And um, we did that. And in this case, the insurer had paid out the AD. And then so um, it was all free and clear in the end. So it was fair game. You could have the watch. Because they ensured it was paid out. Wow. That's really interesting. Do they usually end up that way? So this has happened a couple times when I was at auction. And Mm -hmm. there were still watches that were sitting in the vaults of, of both auction houses because those those claims were not resolved sure. so oh, you wow. can still yeah. so you can still do business with the seller if there's no malice i think it definitely depends on the situation in this case the seller had bought it from someone who had bought it from someone so it had passed multiple hands from the time it was stolen yeah. I f- I, it's i think if i'm not mistaken as long as whoever's selling it to you can provide the bill of sale they're in the clear yeah right. wow yeah because then if they can't provide a bill of sale then essentially they're the ones who stole yeah it. yeah yes that yeah. is very true that's interesting wow. yeah so it's an it's a side of the business that is not very savory, but certainly is something that happens as we know from the Instagram videos and right. we know with the value of watches, they're easy to steal, easy to conceal, and it happens. Yeah, so it what's the wildest like private sales story? The wildest private sales story. So that's a good question. I guess because I feel like a lot be... of crazy shit happens in private sales. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. Um, so it's it's a service industry, as you guys know, and so a lot of the times it'll be like, hey, I would like to see 15 watches. Mm-hmm. What It doesn't matter the values. You have to figure out with security where to get them to. Mm. And, and maybe this client is in the Hamptons. This is when I was working in New York or someplace where it's not easy to get to with watches. And they're like, I want to see them in three hours. Mm. Wow. Take so, a blade, baby. Take a blade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, blade wasn't around. And yeah. maybe it wasn't in the, it wasn't in the security policy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish, but um, just, I guess those are the crazy stories in my mind where it's like drop of the hat. You have to be there and be able to show someone on top of trying to sell something to them. Mm. Um, you know, you're just working in adverse yeah. conditions. Well, especially, yeah. I mean, at that level too, the caliber of clients you're dealing with. Like exactly. The, you know, what they want to look at, what they're interested in buying. You know what they're capable of spending. They're like, I need to see it right now. Here's where I am. Get yeah, it. because they're yeah, hot right now. Ticking. Iron's hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you want to go make it's that now sale. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's funny, man. Wow. Um, so going back to, to to Bezel for a little bit, um, what's really cool too is now you know this isn't your first time in front of the camera. <laughs> they got you on screen. So you guys started a series, and it's. Um, it's it's sort of casual short form content but informational yeah and uh it's called take care what what, the, what was the inspiration behind this so kind of what always is driving the decisions we're making is is this catering to first time buyers yeah. and is it informative and educational and and helping people further their watch collecting journey or start it mm. um and so the take care care series is exactly that uh just as basic as how do I wind my watch? How do I set the time to how should I store my watches? Um, so those are the kind of questions that I think maybe people are sometimes too scared to ask or sure. they don't know where to they, find that They think that it's like a silly question so they don't go for it at all. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and to us who are so deep in it, it's like, you know, it's like secondhand mm-hmm. and I, I don't even think about it, but um, 
what's really fun about Bezel is we have a combination of people who have been in the watch industry and those that haven't. And so bouncing ideas back and forth is really kind of enlightening to me because sometimes I don't look at it from the perspective of, of I am new to watches. Right. How do I break into it? How do I start to understand mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. And so anyway, the Take Care series came out of that. That's awesome. So it, it also, with that, it kind of looks like you guys are focused not only in, you know, building and scaling this business, but you see fostering a community as part of it. Totally. Um, what else are you guys looking to do? What do we have to look forward to in terms of, of, of that? What are you, I know you guys have the event programming that you're doing and, but what do we have to look forward to in terms of community? Where's Bezel going yeah. in that sense? So I kind of touched on wanting to build a brand and mm. that entails, um, some other stuff that hasn't been done in the watch space yet. So okay. I think the big thing, uh, and we have Mike sitting over here, but shout out to Mike, shout, shout out to Mike, Mike <laughs> would be um, our brand partnerships. Okay. And so um, I can't reveal exactly who or, or what's going on yet, but um, partnering with really cool brands that are not necessarily watch specific okay. and creating um, a buyer's club or a seller's club mm -hmm. or um, communities, like you mentioned, Perry, where we can bring people together and introduce them to different brands or experiences that we think are cool as okay. Bezel. Um, we want to toe the line between uh, a lifestyle company while being a watch company. And obviously, first and foremost, is always the authentication aspect and, mm -hmm. and selling watches. But um, I think every modern brand that's successful toes that line in one way or another, at least in the consumer product space. Yes. So. That's where we are. So, in, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, but funny to what you're saying is, um, I think brands that do it very well, me personally, I call it guerrilla marketing. Yeah. Where um, these brands use the people as their brand ambassadors. And I think um, a brand that we have a lot of ties to being Oris, um, being one that can use the people so they don't, they don't use, you know, a George Clooney in a still photo to promote their watches. You mean a David Beckham Photoshop with a bunch of watches on? Is that <laughs> <laughs> he just loves the take shots. But I mean, <laughs> I think I think that approach is very authentic. You know, that's something that, you know, since we've been sitting on this couch has been something that um, a word that we've used so much is authentic, being real, being um you know, able to stand on the same ground with your consumer. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of these brands will kind of believe that they are above their consumer. Mm -hmm. um, and it's very easy to do so when you're on the secondhand part because it's like, I have the product, you buy it or you don't. Mm -hmm. There's no obligation for me to interact with my end consumer. Um, but now we're finding that there are so many people that are getting into watches and they do need outlets and they do need the information that, you know, we're still trying to figure out how to supply it to the masses. Sure. That's why Bezel exists. That's why Rich Check Pod exists. So many different outlets, Complecto, et cetera, and everyone else. Um, so uh, what, you know, Bezel brings to the industry, I think is very, very powerful and, you know, speaks to just like what you have brought to the table. That's awesome. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. I mean, it's still early on and 
we've been fully launched only since last June, so it seems like you guys have gotten a lot of work done though. And in in, in yeah, US. I mean, it's like full steam ahead. Totally, and that's a testament to the team that's been built. Um, but I think sometimes I have to pinch myself because it's like it's less than a year fully operational, and we have all these goals, but um, you know, uh, there's we we just have to take our time. So in identifying uh, brands to work with, um, I imagine that you guys have a better understanding today than maybe even when you started of who your target demographic is. Yep. Um, and what that looks like over maybe the next four, five, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, who is, who? aside from just first time watch buyers, who is going to get bezel? So, <laughs> I think it's largely, and I mean, this was um, corroborated in, in the report that just came out, but Gen Z and millennials are the luxury buyers. Mm-hmm. And so um, that is largely who we want to target. And it's not to say we're, we're not catering to other sectors um, of the population, but it's just that a tech first platform yeah. definitely is is more inclined to reach millennials and Gen Zs. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time buyers of today will be the second time buyers of next year yeah. and the repeat customers and collectors years down the line. So doing everything in our power to cater to them while also respecting collectors who have, who have big collections have been in this in a, for a long time. Um, that's, that's what we want to do. We want to walk that line also. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and in terms of, you know, we're talking about, you mentioned tech several times. Um, what is Bezel bringing to the table in terms of technology? What do we have to look forward to? Yeah, so I think largely up to this point, um, we have been creating a product that is maybe on par um, in terms of what it offers to other existing platforms. I will say the user interface is awesome. It's so amazing. that it is would good. be, the yeah. App is fire. Thank you. UI, I'm a big fan of UI. I hate when I go on the website and it just fucking sucks. It makes it yeah. easy. And, and then yeah. it's like very so well good. curated. I love that you guys are uh, contextualizing product for people in the sense of like, you know, and it, it could sound cheesy, but it works, right? It's like Valentine's Day is coming. Like, check this out. Totally. Or you can separate it by brand. You can separate it by period. Like, But I also love that you guys are taking out the time to do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and like whatever the quote unquote competition is, is doing, you know, like yeah. they're not taking the time out to say Valentine's Day, look at all this cool well, shit. Well, it feels more editorial. That. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is interesting. So that's definitely um, a portion of what we're doing is we have an editorial team that write articles. We have a journal. Um, and the product is, when I mean it's on par with other products, it's like we can sell watches, we can take offers. We can have sellers upload their inventory. And what's really exciting now is the foundation that we've built. So like these uh, curated collections and the reason why we have models Mm -hmm. instead of listings that you would see. So if you type in Daytona and you type uh, Ceramic Daytona, you get a model page of a 116500. And that has all the details about that model. And within it, you see the listings. So it's just like the StockX or GOAT model. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist in watches until it was done by us. And the reason we've done that is because all of that data um, is much more filterable, manageable. Um, We can do a lot more interesting stuff with that. And so we're kind of on the precipice of building out products within the platform that can take advantage of all of that. And that's what's really exciting to me. So, the UX, the UI is great. 
uh, and that's just kind of the beginning. Yeah. What tech goes into the actual authentication then? So the the authentication has the digital authentication portion mm -hmm. where we look at the upload, look at the pictures, um, gets put on the platform. The in-hand authentication is when it actually gets ordered and comes to us in LA at our offices. But does that happen once a watch is purchased? That happens once a watch is purchased. Okay. So um, the seller essentially holds on to the watch for the entire time that's listed on bezel until someone says buy now. Correct. Okay. So then we act as an escrow service at that mm -hmm. point. Right. We have the money, we get the watch, we authenticate it. When you mark it authentic, the funds get released to the seller mm -hmm. and the watch mm -hmm. gets sent on to the buyer. Mm -hmm. um, the tech that goes into that, other than just the process being all as smooth as possible, yeah. um, is having a buyer being able to track what's going on. So uh, this is a really, really bad analogy. I'll probably get uh, some crap from our engineers, <laughs> but it's like uh, the Domino's pizza app. When you order it, you're like, oh, cool. I There's a my watch pizza. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pizza they put it in the <laughs> oven. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's my non-tech brain sure. thinking about it. But um, just being able to stay up to date with what's going on. And I think that is usually a black box for a consumer, yeah. especially mm -hmm. when they're buying a watch. It has to, that usually comes down to whatever person's at the end of assigned an email, instead yes. of now it's automated through the app. Through totally. The um, and then supplying our customers with condition reports of the watch in terms of how it's functioning. Like mm -hmm. I mentioned, the tests that we run um, and all of the authentication and what that entails. Yes. So taking down the serial number, taking down the condition, taking down, um, everything about the watch. So all of that is done digitally. So if you get a watch from me tomorrow, how long would it take for the consumer that, yeah. to get it? So if you were to order a watch from us, mm -hmm. it would come to us overnight. So hopefully the seller at this point, if you we'll ordered ship it, it gets shipped day. out tomorrow. Yeah. So we'd get it the day after. Uh, it takes one to two days for us to authenticate and then mm -hmm. we ship it out overnight to you. So the whole process is three to five business days. Oh, wow. I have a question. Yeah. Um, because, um, you know, Bezel is based on the West Coast. Do you believe that, you know, you guys being the tech epicenter and being kind of like first over the hill with the level of analytics that you that you offer and the experience that you guys have? Um, do you think that you guys have an advantage or obviously there's something that you bring to the industry that, um, you know, most competitors don't? Because if you think of the competitors, that do resell, most of them are kind of based on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, if, if that's fair to say. Yeah, and the largest marketplace is, is based in Germany. Mm. Um, but I think we probably definitely actually have an advantage in terms of the tech talent that's available within California. Um, obviously, a lot of that has switched to remote work over the past couple of years. Yes. But I really feel strongly that the in-person collaboration that we get working in the office allows us to achieve what we've achieved in, in the time yeah. um, that we since we've started. And so, yeah, I think being in California is a huge, huge advantage in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So you guys have uh, recently made some news. I guess congratulations is in order. You got yes. some major funding. Thank you. For some key players. Shout out to John Reardon. Was was yeah. yeah. Reardon was in there. Yeah. Uh, yes, which yes, is a full yes. circle moment. And that's kind of cool. Totally. Uh, but then you also got, uh, I think Kevin Hart is involved. In, uh, yep, his fund. There's a couple of other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did, how did, how did that happen? So the to, to run a startup mm -hmm. um, of this level, you need backing. Sure. And so um, this fundraising started really back in 2021. But... Um, 
we have three buckets of investors. We have uh, venture capital funds. Mm -hmm. We have celebrity investors. So um, you mentioned Kevin Hart's fund. We have John Legend, Steve Aoki, Michael Ovitz, people like that, Kyle Kuzma. Um, And then we have Watch World celebrities. Mm -hmm. So we have John Reardon, um, we have a couple others. And so that is kind of a holistic, what we think, backing of different sectors that will really help us um, get to where we want to go. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So obviously you've you've been around for a while. You know, you've seen some some wild stuff (laughs) all over the place. Um, Not only that, but you've probably bought your fair share of watches. Definitely. Uh, Where where are you headed to in your watch collecting journey? I got some questions for you. Mm. (laughs) How many watches do you own? Is it more than 50? <laughs> it, is, it is definitely not more than 50. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It is definitely not more than 50. Rashawn, you got me there. Um, my watch collecting journey, I would say, is an interesting one in that I always go back to my original um, path that I fell in love with watches, and that's aesthetics. Sure. So, however, I should I should say that now that I know enough about watches, quite a lot, um, all of that gets, you know, they, they counteract each other. Sure. So sometimes something will look really great to me, but I would never buy it. Yeah. And you I think that's- it from afar. Exactly. And yeah. I think that's a dilemma I Rashawn face. Rashawn has to learn how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't hit me yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and see, and you know, seeing so many watches over the years, I used to, not be able to hold myself back from going, oh, I need to have this in my yeah. collection. And I think this is something that everyone goes through that's sure. around watches, but you eventually learn some restraint. And so I maybe add one new watch a year to my collection, but um, what really excites me is the hunt. So yeah. I look at auctions, I look at different sellers' websites, I look at bezel, um, and if I see a good deal for something that I've always had my eye on, I'll try to grab it. Yeah. So my Collecting journey is, I guess, kind of up in the air because it depends what that next good deal is. So what'd you add last year in 2022? So last year I added this, um, about this time last year. The year before that, I added a Day Date 18238 um, in yellow gold. Yeah, (laughs) with a champagne dial and diamond set hour markers. Ooh, okay. That made me happy. (laughs) So, So this example is totally unpolished, probably unworn. What has was a case it about that watch that, that drew you the to diamonds, it? The diamonds, duh. Um, <laughs> I had just gotten a commission bonus from um, Sotheby's and sure. I was like, Treat yourself. what am I gonna do with this? Yes. <laughs> if I don't buy something, if yeah. I don't put it in a place, I know that it'll hold its value or is a good store of value, you know, I'll just spend yeah. it. So that's awesome. Um, I think a lot of the conversation now is like, what watch is a good investment? Yes. And, um, not that I recommend investing in watches in any way, shape or form, but for me, that's what I know best. Yeah. And so I've always felt comfortable buying watches that I probably shouldn't be buying. Yes. And then just letting it stay there. Sure. Yeah. You know what's you know what I love about I think outside I think outside of uh Frem, who we had on the show recently, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody else that we've had on the couch has really talked about gem set pieces. Mm. Um and especially how many watches that pass through your hands. Um it doesn't really strike me as a surprise that you would um, look into a gem set piece. I'm a little shocked. 
I'm not. I'm a little shocked. Dude, fun, well, the funniest thing is that, I mean, I'm we not. know some crazy watch collectors, and there's some collectors that just like won't touch gem set. What do you Me. say to those guys? I'm good. You were. No, but you, you gotta find the one. You wore a Rainbow Daytona on the show. You said time. you would get a Rainbow Daytona on the show. You like, yo, I would rock this. You, you, some people won't. You'd be surprised. It's just I mean, it's I, not their thing. But I mean, like you found a gem set for you. It just so happens to be a rainbow. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. It's, it's like the one to have because that, it's crazy. That's, as the, that's like the biggest thing because I feel like you know um, diamonds gem set like the bling has been frowned upon because of the notion that um, you know it's like gaudy and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like what 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 do you say I can't to shake my head any harder? <laughs> what do you say to those like you know new collectors veterans or you know novice collectors when they when they think about uh gem sets on timepieces so i think the biggest pleasure for me in the last couple of years has been people coming into the space with no background of watches mm. and that means they don't have any preconceived they're notions the, they're, they're the most open people. about yeah. watches at all yeah. and they're like oh this gem set piece or this like piaget from the 80s which is dirt cheap compared to what it's probably worth at retail when it was originally sold or even just based on the materials that are used in it. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a cool watch. It's great. No one else has thought that was cool for 20 years, but sure. I like <laughs> yeah. it. Yes. And they, yes. don't, they don't know yeah. that. Um, so, so like untainted by the, right. all the noise. Totally. And yeah. to give a shout out to Bryn Walner of Dime Piece, she kind of, I think, brought that to the forefront of the Instagram shout watch world. she did. Yes. Um, where shout it was like, oh, Omega Constellations from the 90s are cool. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they are, but why no, wasn't anyone buying that, them? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess to answer your question, Rashawn, it's like just try to have an open mind. And I know that's really hard because the values are at such a level where you're always thinking about them when you're thinking about a purchase or when sure. you purchase something. And um yeah, I don't know. It's just I, I look for a condition personally and, mm -hmm. and that's what always is kind of underlying the purchases that I make. But mm -hmm. um I think thinking outside the box is beneficial and you know, that's probably actually the best advice to someone who wants to yeah. buy for value anyway. Do so you own any modern watches? Cue Jeopardy music. Yeah. That's <laughs> if you have to think about it. I think. What is a modern watch? Yeah. <laughs> um, Anything that's within 20 yeah. years. I guess it would I guess it would be this watch is the most modern I have. Okay. So mm. mid 90s. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't It's just something about vintage. Yeah, I, I get it. Vintage. Yeah, I understand. Uh, you mentioned Piaget. That new Piaget Polo is fire. fire. Woo! The perpetual and counter. And it's a green dial. Yes. So good. I saw that and I was just like, why is no one talking about this? Yes. This thing is fucking awesome. Yes. <laughs> yes I think yes, it's yes. the I think it's the uh, idea that everyone has in their head that Piaget is not, you know, it's not I mean, a cool brand. I got a love affair with that brand. I, yeah. I do too. I yeah. think it's awesome. I yeah. saw that yesterday and I was like, this thing is amazing. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oof. <laughs> Are you... Um, are you a Rolex guy? Would you consider yourself a Rolex guy primarily? So I would say. So my... let me let me preface this too, because I know like today, yeah, to say that you are kind of has a connotation to it, right? We get it. Okay, whatever. But it, when you you meet enough collectors, um, when you when you meet guys who are crazy about vintage Rolex, it's a different ball game. It's not the same. Yes. Totally. And so I'm kind of asking you in that context, because I know a lot of vintage rollers collectors. I, I get a sense of how they think, what they're looking for. Yeah. And it's it's not the same game. Mm -hmm. No. So 
I think to your point, there is a connotation to collecting Rolex today. Um, Ben Clymer said this one time and it really stuck with me is people enter this hobby or mm-hmm. start collecting watches and they go to Rolex immediately. Yeah. And then you find and branch out into other areas or other brands and you go, oh, Rolex, it's for the masses or mm-hmm. whatever. It's, it's nothing special. It's mass produced. And then you always come back to Rolex yeah. because of the quality, because of the history. Um, so I think I went on that journey myself mm. and I am a Rolex person from that perspective. I would say, what do I appreciate most? It would probably be Patek Philippe, vintage Patek Philippe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm with you. I saw a 54G and lost my mind. Mm-hmm. Coming soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure that one out. Yes, sir. Um, my man, it's been a pleasure having you. Yes. This has been a lot of fun. Amazing. Um, I, I look forward to what you and, and, and Bezel are, are going to continue to build. I know it's going to be special. Um, you know, I love the website. I love the app. Um, what you guys are doing in terms of community building with the events and everything, I think is really, really smart. And what's great is actually when, when you do, for the most part, if, if, you, if, if any of you listening or watching actually get the opportunity to attend a Bezel event, I think what you'll find is that the people that they are bringing together uh, coupled with the people that work for Bezel are mm-hmm. are really great people. Mm-hmm. Like we've had nothing but pleasant experiences uh, speaking with you guys. I mean, from the the moment we, we met, um, it's been it's been a ball. Yeah. So that's really nice of you to say. Absolutely, no, yeah. I mean it. And, and, and having you come, you know, here all the way from the West Coast it means a great deal to us. So hey, we appreciate you. Anytime I can come back, but yeah, we really appreciate you guys' support. And uh, as you we were saying earlier, I think there's a lot of synergy there. So. Definitely. We'll, we'll both sure. keep pushing. More to, more to look forward uh, to in the, in the future. Uh, for those watching and listening, we want to remind you, because it's the perfect opportunity, <laughs> that if you are looking for a new watch, that you download the Bezel app today. Yes. Uh, it's in your iOS app store, your Android app store. I think Google Android has it's the, same. Same, it's yeah. the same thing. Maybe I'm an Apple guy. No Android app yet. Oh, okay, it's on the roadmap. Oh, so but get yourself an get Apple. Yourself an iPhone. Get yourself an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you have an Android, you can also go to our website. But you can go to the website, yep. yeah. And the website is is just as user friendly, and um, you know they've got they've got a, a, a wide assortment and array of watches available in almost every price range that you can you can think of. Yes. And uh, Risk Check Pod has a promotion going on right now. So if you go to the website and use Risk Check Pod at the discount. Uh, at the checkout for discount, you uh, get two fifty off on your first purchase, and um, getting an official welcome to the the bezel uh, congratulatory Club. message from us here at Rich Check Five. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's worth this weight in gold. Yes. Uh, thank you, my man, for coming through. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you all for watching and listening. You know where to find us. We're on YouTube, Spotify. You can watch and listen. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, mm. Overcast. All the cast, Instagram, TikTok, <laughs> for the children, uh, for the children, maybe one day even. Maybe in don't say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been awesome. Episode forty-eight. We we'll see you guys next week. Peace, peace, my man. Thank you, thank you guys. Hell yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Yeah, that shit was smooth as fuck. Thank you.